I think you, we need to hold each other to a schedule. Yeah, I think, like, this is perfect for me, like a Sunday morning type thing. Yeah. But, obviously, you know, I know your job doesn't really allow all the time for that, so. Yeah, let's see what we can we yeah. figure out. Or know? I could, you know, whatever. It, we'll figure it out. Sure. I think when, when like, you really want to do it, you do it. Yeah, think, yeah Even yeah. if we just said we're going to do this once a month. Yeah. I think we should be able to commit to that once a month. I think so. You know, if we just said every third Sunday, this is what we're going to do. And that's what we would do. I like it. Third yeah. Sunday? Whatever. You know, I'm just yeah, saying that because this one, is the man. third Sunday of this month. That's the only reason I'm saying that. I yeah. think that's good. Yeah. 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 I think you just made a schedule. Yeah. You're the yeah. boss, man. Every third Sunday. That could be like, that could be... morning chris good morning john that's a nice little uh i like the picking you know i like yeah. the picking yeah did a little uh it's uh i actually started playing that when i was like 16 years old yeah. that little like dun, 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 dun. it's just d minor it's a d harmonic minor scale that i kind of put a little bit of chords in there and just stick around with it but i've been playing it like forever i mean there's something that like you must feel something when you play it, you know. In my Maybe. opinion, yeah. yeah. Well, I don't, I don't really. Uh, when I play, I don't really try to play too many songs. Like I'm not trying to play popular songs. I'm not trying to learn songs. I like to learn scales, chords, playing certain keys, and more or less kind of like write my own stuff hmm. without ever actually writing it on anything. I just kind of remember whatever I came up with and kind of hump and ride them until <laughs> I re- until I remember them. Huh. You know, man, I am the opposite, dude. I um, like I have this little custom cigar box guitar that a friend of mine made for me, and I used to have guitars. I love music, but I am not. I don't believe that I'm musically gifted. You no. Know? Yeah, I don't think uh, like I I can mess around and like, you know, play a little riff that I created. But like when it comes to, like uh. When I when I look at guys like Trent Reznor or like great musicians that just create, you know, like like even the old schools, Beethoven and Bach and and Mozart, these people that can hear hundreds of instruments in their head and and know when they come in and out and like I don't have that, man. No? I don't have that at all. I think it's I like I said I think we had this conversation before about pursued interest. I think it's if you've really, if it comes from something in you that dictates, you know, how passionate you are about something, you naturally just start to pick things out or adapt Mm. to whatever's inspiring you or whatever. It's like, you know, like drawing, playing guitar. Like none of this stuff was natural for me. It was just something I liked doing and I kind of expounded on it as I went along. You know, I think that's anything, anything that you, you have uh, an interest in. I don't know, man. I definitely think that I'm a visual person. Like, when I'm creating something, no matter what it is, if it's a physical object or a painting or a drawing, I can visually already build it in my mind yeah. and rotate it. I can paint it different colors. I can look at it. I can, I can imagine it any way I want. But when it comes to music... I can't hear a song before I create it. I can't... Oh, no, neither can I. I think it just comes from holding it in my hand and, you know, 
messing like, around until something comes along and then I go, oh, that, you know, that popped out in my brain. And then you kind of expand on it and you look for other notes that go along with it. And, really? You know, yeah. And it, it, a lot I of it is rhythm. Some of some of it's like rhythm. I think you have to learn how to like almost make your right hand dance hmm. to a certain extent. Because it's not all about your left hand and the fretting and the picking and all that stuff. Sometimes sometimes you got to really pay attention to what your right hand is doing. And that will dictate more of what comes out of, you know, I don't know. I'm not an expert on it. It's just something, you know. I sincerely believe that we all have gifts in certain directions. Some, yeah. some are, you know, overlap, you know. Like, I do think that I'm pretty good at cooking. And I think that that's largely due to my taste and smell. Yeah. You know, I'm always amazed when I see that somebody cooks, but they don't taste their food while they're cooking it. And I think, how the fuck do you know what it tastes like? Right. You know, like, I think you're just hitting the lottery every time you cook then, because for me, it's very precise. I, you know, like I can taste every little bit of ingredient that I put into it yeah. and I can tell like, yep, that's not enough garlic. You know, this needs a little bit more red crushed red pepper you know like a lot of cooking is intuition that's what yeah. it feels like to me and I, I think like the secret of good cooking is you don't stop touching your food while you're preparing it yeah you know, like it's just the constant you know i literally will open up the seasonings and i'll kind of like lick my finger and sprinkle a little on it and taste it and oh is that something i want to put with this what kind of dish are we making are we making a yeah you know pork with uh you know maybe some lemon on it or you know like what what is what are we creating here what's this flavor we're going for but when it comes back to music no i don't think i have it man Mm. i don't think so and it's funny because i come from a family you love music i I mean you made some you made some musical recommendations the other day to me that i was like oh fuck man how did i hear ever hear of this like maybe that's what like uh record producers and like assholes some assholes can do is like i can hear great music and know that i can i can hand you a playlist that'll like break your heart yeah you know but i can't create, you can't create it no i can't create it i just i have an ear and i can hear that this is a great song and this was very well written or has you know like i have my favorite people some people have beautiful voices system of a down to me was such a great band because because i loved his voice they were really eccentric for even for what they did they were, he yeah. was he was a lot different than anybody else that was uh i loved it yeah, he was different. I liked it a lot in the, on the first two albums. It kind of died out for me a little bit after that, but well, the first the two albums I thought were like amazing. Yeah. And then, uh, and I don't know. I, I don't think once they put out that album with the B sides and stuff, I was kind of like, all right, I get it. But, so, so my wife gets annoyed with me because my wife uh, did not grow up like I, I guess like I did in Norwood as a white man, and like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so she likes more what you and I would consider pop rock, you know, she likes the, uh, you know, like that, uh, I don't really, I never really gave much of a shit about Chris Cornell or like no? those guys that had that very rock sounding voice, that very, Oh, you know, like, like Alice in Chains dude, and I all never that stuff. No, I didn't like it. I, I did. Yeah. I was, uh, Alice in Chains in particular, I really liked and I liked, I love Soundgarden. Yeah. I don't like Chris Cornell later in his career. Yeah, and not, not to say I, don't, I I like the first Audio Slave Nothing album. Bad about it. I mean, he's talented. Yeah, he's got mm-hmm. tremendous range. Yeah, yeah, he was. He I was just never pretty phenomenal. I guess when I listen to bands and they're singing, their lead singer, 
if it's too much like that uh, five finger death punch or nickelback or you know like any yeah. that all sounds cookie very, cutter yeah it sounds very like here are your your you got your lead rhythm bass drums singer yeah same thing over and over again you know like to me that's what it feels like and i'm just like all right i'm bored of this mm -hmm. you know but that's also me being the eccentric artist that i am that i want to i want to see something different different yeah. you know and um i will say that in current music right now i feel like nobody no <laughs> i don't feel like anybody is i think if you anything. look hard enough you find it well, maybe that's my problem is I don't really know where yeah. to look anymore because it used to be on MTV or it used to be nah, on Pandora or it used to be... You got to do know, the work now. Yeah. Yeah, you really do got to do the work now. And that's the hard part is like, you know, um, and, and it's all genres. I'm not saying, yeah. I'm not saying like uh At this age, or, I don't really focus on genres at all. Yeah. I, my musical taste is kind of all over the place with everything. Yeah. Um, I listen, to, I find myself listening to more and more like retro soul music hmm. uh, that has kind of like a rock influence to it. Like um, like Michael Kiwanuka. I don't oh. know if you ever heard of him. No. He's he's pretty amazing. Like beginning to end of his albums. It's almost like you're listening to like, I don't know, like an old soul singer. But really? like Pink Floyd <laughs> at the yeah, same time. Yeah, like bluesy soul. Yeah, man. Yeah. He's, he's pretty... pretty. Uh, I love him. I, I really like him a lot. I think... Um, I think the blues is where I'm at um, yeah. as a whole, you know? Like, you know, we're supposed to, every episode, we're supposed to be doing this, like, uh, what are you listening to? And, I mean, I'm on I'm on, a, I'm on a somber note right now, but so, like, I've been listening to a lot of blues or a lot of, uh, I even listen to a lot of classical, believe it or not. Yeah. Like, I, you know, it depends on where I'm at, like, in my head, you know? But, like, um, dude, the blues is never, you can't ever lose. Yeah, it doesn't really go away. Yeah, well, for me, it's like, even if you're in a good mood, even if you're in a bad mood, it's, you know, it's a, it's a nice mellow, you know, rhythm. You know, it's, it's nice. It's not, it's not eccentric or nothing. Yeah, it's not too know? abrasive. It's not too. I know what you mean. Yeah. So, I guess uh, we're gonna dive into. <laughs> we came here to talk about it a little bit. Um, Christmas came and went. Yeah. How was your holiday? Was it good? Yeah, you know, yeah. the well, kids, it, it was, it was, uh, I'll say this. So Christmas, uh, was a good day, you know? I know you had your family come over early. You did the, you did the, uh, the breakfast. Well, so we did a big breakfast, which, uh, normally my, my mother does, but they sold their house and they're living in one of their apartment buildings yeah. now. So we took that over. That's our, our thing now. And it was wonderful to mm -hmm. see like everybody in my house all sitting around laughing, telling jokes, eating the food that me and my wife prepped. And um, uh, it was it was great because I've never been a very Christmas kind of guy. Like like I, I participated and I did it, but I you didn't feel it. I never really like was like super excited about it. Yeah. And then like, dude. Christmas Eve, we stayed up late putting the kids bikes together because we got these little glide bikes. And that little train track thing, the table train track with the wooden tracks and shit. And like, I, I sat here and stayed up late, dude. I'm a nine, nine p.m. I'm fucking lights out, dude. I'm done. Yeah. And we stayed up until like eleven thirty, putting all this shit together. And I was like getting excited because I'm like, dude, these kids are gonna fucking lose their minds yeah. when they see this. 
And now, like, I was starting to feel it. I was like... This is what it's about kind of thing. Yeah, man. I was super excited. We woke up in the morning, and my daughter was like, you know, all right, it's time to go see what's under the tree, you know? Like, she was, like, fucking lit up. And we were like... My son is like a... You know, he's like a, you know, a sleeping late kind of kid. He's like, no, I don't want to get up yet. And I kept telling Genevieve, like, dude, you can't go downstairs until Christopher wakes up. So, like, she's in there like, come on, come on, Santa Claus came, Santa Claus came, you know? And Yeah, he's still little, so he's not yeah, like, he's... he doesn't really grasp the concept of how great it is. But now that he knows, probably next year he'll probably be oh, up yeah. with, like, with the birds, right? I think next year, dude, it, it's going to be chaos, That's cool. you know? But, um... But to really reflect, uh, this year I felt Christmas. That's cool. That's you know? good. Yeah. yeah. So, and then it all declined after that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I guess so. Kind of what we wanted to talk about today was kind of like uh, people with resolutions and self improvement, and you know how people kind of go into the new year with this idea of uh, what they're going to do and who they're going to be from this point forward. But um. So you, I know that you suffered a major setback. Yeah. Um, shortly after Christmas, and I don't ever take this lightly because this I've gone through this myself, and I was torn apart by it. So I definitely feel where you're coming from when it comes to uh, you lost your dog. Yeah, yeah, but it's it's more than just losing a dog. I don't know. It's it's tough because you and I are dog people. And I know that you get it. You know, you and I've off air and even on air, we've had long talks about the way our dogs are a part of our family. Now, if you're not a dog person and you're listening to this, you're probably thinking this is not a big deal. The dog dies, dogs die every fucking day. We know this. You know, I know factually mm. that's the way it works. But the thing is that <laughs> one, as I've already discussed in previous episodes, I'm a recovering addict. And the reason that that is a part of this story is because I spent about two months living at the the VA hospital to get clean, you know, to get my shit together. And I was doing like this uh, PTSD therapy. And at that time, that was in uh, October of 2010. Yeah. 10, 12, 10. Yeah. That's the way that works. So in, in back then... This is prior to everybody having service dogs and walking around in fucking Walmart saying that their little chihuahua is a is a comfort animal or whatever. Right. So so really I was doing these therapy sessions, these group therapy things, and the one woman counselor said, uh, oh well you're getting ready to get out in a few days. You know, one thing that they're they're doing a little research on about veterans living alone is that if you get an animal, specifically maybe a dog, you know, it's very therapeutic for you guys, and, and it kind of gives you something to do. You know, you get up, go out, go take the dog for a walk, feed the dog. It keeps you on a schedule, you know? So I was like, uh, I came home, and I was, you know, doing my meetings and stuff, and I belonged to this recovery program, and, and I'm like, okay. But then still, like, I was fucking lonely, and I was like, <laughs> you know. You have a lot of time on your hands, a lot of time to occupy so when you're when you're used to partying your ass off every Friday and Saturday night and it's easy to get back to a schedule during the weekdays because I was never I was never really like a like a week long party guy. I was like a, a weekend like a binge partier. Yeah, man. Yeah. It was like Friday and Saturday and a little bit on Sunday. 
but it was like balls to the walls. So those days were always really difficult for me when I first got my shit together and I didn't know what to do, you know? So like I did my meetings, I hung out with other people that are in recovery and getting their shit together. But then when I went and got this dog, everything changed. Now it was true that that counselor was absolutely correct. I woke up early in the mornings and took her for a walk every fucking Saturday morning and Sunday morning. And therefore, it gave me a reason to go to bed at 9 o'clock because I'm going to wake up in the morning at 5 o'clock in the morning and take her for a long walk through Ridley Creek State Park and or wherever. we would. Sometimes we would drive to other, you know, what is it, um, uh, Lake Nakamixon or whatever the fuck. I always say that name totally fucked up. I don't know what it is, so. It's a lake out. We're, it's, we're yeah. going to call it Lake Nakamixon yeah. today. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Perfect. <laughs> but so in my early days of getting my life together, uh, she was she was like the, the support that I needed, you know? And going to work and having shitty days and my credit was destroyed and I still had family members that hated my fucking guts and they were really pissed off at me. Were you like the comeback guy who like comes back at like a barbecue? out of the out of the blue and you don't know how people are going to feel about yet oh yeah oh, man. yeah man i had that like sucks. i had like lots of times where and a lot of it was in my head you know yeah. there was lots of times where maybe it wasn't as bad as i thought it was but i was so disappointed in the fact that i upset my family and friends that i felt guilty yeah, every you time i feel went, like you destroyed their idea of who you were yeah Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, so like... And you knew deep down that's not who you were. You just Well, of course, yeah. yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, nobody wakes up and says, I'm super excited to be a fucking pill head and a, and a drug addict, yeah. you know? Like, that wasn't a part of the plan, no. you know? I'm a very ambitious guy, and I think I always have been, but I think that I just didn't know how to do it back then, you right. know? And the, and the first step was is, is to cut all that shit out of my life. No more drinking, no more pills, you know? get Get your life in order, you know? And if for me living alone and I had this little shitty apartment up on McDade, uh, the dog was always there. Yeah. You know, like, like, dude, when they talk about unconditional love, that was the first real lesson. Like I knew that my parents loved me, but, uh, and my siblings and all that, but the fucking dog was like the real first glimpse of what unconditional love really Dude, is. Dude, the fucking know? dog didn't care. Like, if I if I walked in the door and I'm mad because she fucking stole something off the counter and chewed it the fuck up, or, like, and I screamed at her, she would come back to me, like, and just still want to snuggle. Like, she right. loved me no matter what. If I was a monster, she loved me. If I was a nice guy, she loved me. If I was having the worst fucking day of my life, she loved me. When I was... uh, Because I'm a... Because, you know, because of things that I've experienced, I have, uh, occasionally I have bad panic attacks, you know. I had one last week, you know. Yeah. Last week was a, a bad day, right after she passed away. Mm. Um, and uh, she would just come up to me and, like, lay on my lap, you know. She'd, like, so when they say service dogs, I always, I'm a little resentful when people walk around with these fucking things on their dogs and they, they say, this is my service, this is my service dog. Right. Fuck you, man. My dog... Yeah probably was a real service dog i mean she wasn't trained on how to like uh like sense if i was having you know a panic attack or 
you know, a fucking seizure or something. She didn't know all that, but she probably did because I think that there's some kind of intuition. When they know something's wrong. I know that because um, I, when I was 15, when my father died, he went to the back of the house. He walked briskly through the, the hallway to the back of the house. And uh, my dog followed him. I had a big white German Shepherd. And I guess once he started to you know have his heart attack or whatever the dog started barking and yeah. circling like and i'd be in the other room shut up what are you doing shut up and the dog would not quit like it was like he was signaling hey Jesus. something's wrong you know yeah so dogs i don't know how their their inner workings are huh. either but i i definitely believe they know when something's I think they have an intuition about things. Sure. I'm not I'm not a super religious guy, but sometimes I think to myself, our intelligence as humans might have blocked our receptors to something else. Yeah. Some kind of spiritual connection or some I just watched sub- the whole thing about this the other day too, man. I, I kind of believe it, man. Sometimes yeah. I think that maybe we're so fucking smart that we can't see the obvious things anymore. And right. like uh you know, and it's it's just Dude, I knew my dog was dying. I oh, fucking yeah? knew it. I knew it, man. That's I knew terrible. it. All weekend, like like through Christmas, through everything, you know, I, I just felt it. I oh. fucking felt it. I, I like sat with her a lot. So like we did get a lot of time together before she passed. Uh, and then there was like this weird thing that like I was sitting outside in my car talking to my boss on the phone and Gabby came in the back door here because she parks around back, and came in, Morgan and Rogue popped up, they looked normal, everything mm-hmm. looked normal, you know, and and we were really worried, because we kept thinking, dude, she's not looking good, man, she's not looking fucking good, you know, so Gabby was like, oh, okay, man, she's okay, you know, she, we didn't walk in, and she's just laying there, you know, right. but worse yet is, uh, and I feel bad, because my wife had to experience this, but she let them out back, Gabby stepped outside. She was on the phone with a friend of hers and Morgan fucking fell down right in front of her. And then more Gabby like stood over her and was like petting her and was like, Oh, it's okay. It's okay. And she fucking died. We think wow. she had a heart attack or a seizure or something, but like she died right there. In like front almost of instantaneously. Yeah. yeah. And then Gabby was trying to call me, but I was out front on the phone with my boss. So I, at first I, I kind of ignored it, but then she like, because we know that we can see on the camera that the other the, the somebody's out front or whatever. So she knew I was there. So she came running out crying and shit. And w- uh-huh. and I was like, I got to go. You know, I'm telling my boss, Bill, dude, I got to go. <laughs> yeah. This is bad. You know, something That's happened. That's a big deal. Yeah. So we went out there and it was uh, a pretty serious moment for us, you know. And it's, dude, it's been a, it's been a rough year because we had one of our other dogs passed away in June. Mm-hmm. Right before we went on this you know, trip over to Portugal to, to see my army buddies that I haven't seen in 20 fucking years, you know? And I'm like, I'm there and I'm trying to like compartmentalize the fact that we had this tragedy, you know? Tremendous loss. And you're trying to like, just enjoy life at the same time. And dude, I, I started tearing up because my buddy who lives in California that I haven't seen in a very long time and him and his beautiful bride are, we're in the uh, reception hall of this amazing place and uh, he goes, hey, man, I'm, I'm real sorry. I know that your dog just passed away. And I'm like, dude, I'm like fucking tearing up because I'm trying not to think about it right now. And I'm like, yeah, I know. It's your it's your wedding, though, man. We don't we don't have to 
talk about this right now, you know, but, uh, (laughs) but I'm fucking hurting, man. I'm hurting because this is my family. And we had three dogs beginning of the, like, you know, January, 2022, we had three healthy fucking dogs that ran around like little puppies. And here we are January, 2023. And I have one dog left, you know, and she's a a nice dog. You know, I love, I love rogue, but, uh, Anybody that's listening and thinks that, like, oh, it's a fucking dog, who nah, cares? No, it's tremendous. Dude, it's, it's tremendous loss. It's part of your family. Yeah, man. And that dog represented something bigger than just being a dog. She brought structure to your life. She brought purpose to your life. And um, she gave you a reason to change, you know? A lot of people uh, in my immediate family and friends know that. And at they, least to maintain the change. I mean, you, you put the work in beforehand. Sure. Well, yeah. and, and while she was there, but I think that she was a key part of it. You know, oh, yeah. like I think, uh, you know, like the unconditional love thing is big because after I got my shit together, I dated a little bit. I tried dating, uh, you know, just, just whether it's internet dating or women that I met, you know, and it was tough because I'm not like, I'm not a very like, you know, Mr. Suave, like go out here and, you know, like fucking convince some chick to come home with me. Like I'm, I dating was never. Dating is hard. Dating's like going on a job interview. Dude, I'm like, I'm like so self-conscious and like uh, afraid and like bad things happen to me when I was little, which make me very insecure about things. And, uh, you know, like it, it was tough. So like. When I eventually did meet my wife, uh, even that was a funny thing because she had two dogs and my dog was very territorial. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, if they don't get along, I don't know if we're going to be able to get together. Yeah. You know, like maybe. <laughs> You're a great a girl and all, but dog my dog doesn't like your dog. <laughs> the fucking dog ain't going, dude. <laughs> the dog's not going. Like we yeah. can't, and I remember being like heartbroken because that was like a real thought in my head is like, what do I do? Do I, I've told landlords that of, before. Do I get rid of this dog? I can't get rid of this fucking dog. Yeah. This dog is my goddamn family. You I know? had an issue with like, um, like the, the homeowner's insurance or something said something about the breed of my people. dog. They always want to ask that shit. Fuck yeah. that people. And, uh, they were it's like, it's a chihuahua. Come look at it. And they're like, they say you have like a vicious breed of dog. And I said, well, listen, like I pay my rent on time. Every month, you don't have to. You don't have to hound me for anything. Yeah. But um, they said that to me, and they were like, "You might have to get rid of the dog." I said, "I'm not getting rid of anything. I'll me and the dog will go before that happens. <laughs> like, I'll find somewhere else to go." Fuck you, man. Yeah, there's no way this dog's going anywhere. Well, you and I know that. I mean, my dogs supposedly are bad dogs, but I mean, that's what I have. That's what I got. I got a pit bull too. Yeah. Dude, fuck you, man. I got pictures yeah. of my kids laying on their I kind of think of Pitbull's like um like Superman. Dude. Like if he didn't land on the uh on the farm with the Kents, maybe he would have grew up to be a jerk off, you know? It's Sorry, just... I'm a little Oh my god. Sorry. People are texting me, man. We're trying to yeah. do a show right now. I, I think um I think that people that don't know, I think the problem without going down that fucking rabbit hole again is I think the television told people these are mean, scary dogs. Mm-hmm. And I think that people watch that shit and they, they don't, they don't, they're not open minded. So they don't go and experience it. But like, 
I grew up around here where pit bulls were pretty common. You know, I had Rottweilers when we were kids. I know, I, I do think the German Shepherds scare the shit out of me. German they, Shepherds scare the shit out of me now. You know, yeah. For some reason. Yeah, I don't, I, I have a, you know, they kind of freak me out a little bit. They because, seem like they're always on guard. Yeah. They never really let their guard down. Yeah, that's what kind of makes me nervous. Yeah. You know, I don't know if I could own a German Shepherd, not because of any reputation, but because of the feeling I get. And I'm, you know, and I'll say this, dude, with, with the pit bulls, I've never felt like with our three dogs that they were going to be mean to my kids. Because that's really the biggest concern, yeah. you know, for me is, is because I did tell my wife when we had uh, Genevieve, who was the older of our children, if the kids, if the dogs are going to be mean, this will be that moment where I will fucking get rid of one of them. Yeah. You know, I love my dogs. Right. But dude, the children are now top priority. Right. And that's the only time that I will ever, you know, cut a member of our family out. And that includes humans too. You know, if I had a, if I had a family member that was really fucked up, you know, dude, you just got voted off the island. Yeah. You know, that's the fucking end of it. I have a know? hard time doing stuff like that with everybody. I can't. No, man, yeah. I got it. You know, like, so in my head, I have to prioritize. Yeah. And, and to me, the children at this point are the highest priority, you know? And that's the only way I can look at this because it's not about me anymore. I actually have family members that I have flat out just been like, dude, you are not welcome around here no more. Mm -hmm. You know, they're extended family. So at this point, it doesn't matter too much, you know, but, but it, it sucks. It sucks that you have to do that or I have to do that, but because I, I want everybody to get along, but on the same token, if you're not going to respect the way I'm raising my children and, and the things, you know, like if you're going to contradict me when you're around my children and, and try to like influence them the way I don't want them influenced, then I have a fucking problem, yeah. you know? So, and that's a whole long, complicated thing. But, um, but so 2022 for me was, was, uh, good and bad, you know? Uh, I don't know. We, we lost two family members, but we also did this trip to Portugal, which was kind of a serious thing. It was a good thing because I haven't traveled far away in a very long time since I was in the military. So 20 years. And I do have this passion for traveling and, you know, it's reignited. Now I'm excited, you know, like, so like, uh, dude, yesterday I was shopping for campers because yeah, yeah like I want to, I want a trailer that I can tow behind our, our big Ford excursion. Mm -hmm. And in the next couple years, we're going to drive to fucking Disney world, spend a few days there, go to Key West. We're going to drive down there. Now, the thing is, is this is nostalgic for me because when I was a kid, my dad did this for me and my siblings. This is something we did. So I'm, I'm reliving that a little bit, but I'm also, to me, it's like, it's like passing the torch. I want my kids to be old enough to remember walking through the park and dude, we're going to, we're not fucking around. Really? Listen, dude, I plan on fucking, we're going to splurge. No shit. Dude, I want my daughter to sit in the top of that fucking castle and have dinner with all of the fucking princesses. I, nice. Dude, I'll fucking pay to have them sit at our table. I don't give a shit. I want my daughter to look like a fucking princess. She's going to put on her dresses, you know, do her hair. I'll spend 
$300 fucking dollars to have some woman come over here and do her hair so she looks like she's going to a fucking prom. And you're going to go up there and sit with them princesses, you and mommy, and, and even if me and Christopher go too, that's fine. But like, dude, I want her to remember that for the rest of her goddamn life and know that this is what we did, you Oops. know? Yeah. And for my son, we'll do shit too, you right. know? Like, I don't, I don't know, but it... You know, my By son, that time, he might be a little bit older, might have a little bit more interest in certain things. So that's my hope, is if they're, if they're like four and five, you know, if Genevieve's five, he's four, uh, I think that's a great age. I think they're, they're developing memories, you know, he'll start to develop more and more what he likes. So if he wants to go see the fucking, uh, you know, I don't know, like the Star Wars or whatever, yeah. which I heard is pretty awesome. I'm sure it is. Yeah, I'm not really a huge Star Wars guy, but I think it'll be neat to walk through because they say when you walk through that little uh, area, it feels like... What the fuck is that? Yeah, you out? hear that? Is that the uh, computer? I think it is. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway. It's fine. So, so to me, that's a whole thing that I want to do. And I want to travel. And and I will say that there's pros and cons to our dogs passing away. Pro is now we don't have to worry so much about, like, uh, lugging around three 60-pound pit bulls everywhere mm -hmm. we go, you know. So we're, we're down to one dog. I told my wife if we buy a relatively small camper, I love driving. I will drive down the fucking coast, take us to where we want to go. And in the summer times and, and nicer weather, we're going we're gonna to go out. We're going to go to Rock Hall. We're going to go up to fucking Maine. I don't know. I don't right. know. Jump yeah. in the car and drive, dude. We're going to live. Mm -hmm. you That's know? cool. That's something we want to do, though. Yeah. You know? So. Sounds nice. So that's one of our goals for 2023. Yeah. You know? So we'll see. We'll see how it goes. We're good. <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> I'm just keeping an eye on our time here. Oh. I'm just seeing no, what's going on here. I got plenty yeah. of time. So what about you? Like what? So so. I mean, uh, before the show, you were like, "Man, I don't know. 2022 wasn't that great." But then I reminded you that, like, dude, you lost a ton of fucking weight. You're kicking ass. You well, look that, good, it's man. not that it was. I mean, like you said, you, you, part of it was good, part of it wasn't. And um, yeah. I think it's ups and downs. Yeah, it's definitely ups and downs. Um, yeah, I think. I mean, money's tough right now for all. Yeah, of us. for everybody, right? It's not so much. It's just. Um, yeah, 2022, I'm going to say overall, in that sense, was pretty banner, big-time banner year for me. Um, I started off like a lot of people do with that resolution that I was going to lose some weight. And, you know, it started off with just, you know, I'm going to take a walk to go get my breakfast this morning instead of driving there or some shit. And, That's a big uh, deal. Let me tell you something, listen, man. Walking people, is a huge deal. People don't realize how much of their life they waste away by not just doing small things like like and that's kind of what i want to get into dude yeah. so like uh my wife's truck we 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 take it up on the mcdade to this detail shop yesterday morning and had to be there by nine o'clock she's like well uh let me get dressed and i'll i'll pick you up up there and i'm like dude i'll just throw the bike in the back of the truck and i'll ride the bicycle home right. you know and it, it's important that we do these little things when people look at Europeans or, or uh, South Americans or Asians or whoever, think about the way they live their lives. A lot of people ride their bicycles to work yeah. or like, you know, like, dude, we're so quick to jump on our car and drive half a mile away to go to fucking Wawa, you know? There's yeah. plenty of, dude, 
Just walk. What else were you going to do today? Sit in your house and watch fucking uh, Judge Judy? Yeah. I say Judge Judy because my wife is on this fucking Judge Judy kick that drives really? me nuts. Yeah. I don't know why. It's like just... I, th- I think it's just because like... Uh, I always think of like Judge Judy as like this grumpy ass old woman and I'm like, dude, I don't want to fucking hear your voice. Right. You know? <laughs> I know what you mean. So, I guess it, it, that's the thing is that you have to kind of... For me, like, I think a lot of people make that resolution and they kind of say like, uh, you know, they make this big sweeping resolution. They, like, decide to do something with this very thing, this thing that's, like, really glaringly wrong with their lives, that they feel like this is dictating so much more of what's wrong with me. Okay. And I think for me, like, in all honesty, um, and it's hard to admit sometimes as a man, like, my weight has always been an issue for me. Okay. Like, ever since I was a child. When you met me, I was 16, 17 years old. I was 150 pounds. Okay. And I was thin, all that shit. I was never like that. Like, that wasn't my life. Like, growing up as a kid, I was always kind of struggling with my weight. And um, and then when I was, you know, 15 after my father died, I naturally lost a little bit of weight. And then once I kind of got over the grief of that, I kind of just said, let me go in that direction. But I didn't do it the right way. Yeah. I kind of just stopped eating a lot and I just started exercising a lot. I never gained any muscle. I just got really thin. Oh. And, um, but now that I'm older and I kind of, you know, I kind of squandered about 20 years of my life not taking care of myself in the sense that, you know, I didn't pay attention to what I was eating. I was almost semi-conscious about what it was, what I was eating. Um, and I, I just wasn't very active. I would go to work, sit at a desk. I'd have two jobs where I sat at a desk. So I'd spend like 12 to 14 hours a day sitting down. And that's the big thing is just getting up and taking a walk made all the difference in the world yeah. for um for me. But like like I said, it's like a big sweeping resolution that I made that I'm going to fix this part of me without really realizing there's smaller things that I had to change in order to do that. Okay. So it was like... If you don't really recognize your behaviors and what causes them or realize that your thinking, your thoughts kind of dictate your reality. Sure. Kind of thing. And um, I had to correct a lot of things. Like, I don't think people really realize, like, a lot of people make excuses for their weight. Yeah. They go, oh, well, you know, I have a slow metabolism or it's my genetics or... uh, you know, I don't know why I'm overweight. I don't eat that much, you know. First of all, if you're overweight, you eat too fucking much. That's <laughs> all there is to it. Like, there's no other explanation for it. It's not that you have a slow metabolism. It's that you eat too much and you're not active. Like, the only way you lose weight is to expend more energy than you're taking in. That's how it happens, you know. So, I kind of had to correct a lot of behaviors and start to realize that create smaller goals Hmm. so when i started at my heaviest i was 326 pounds wow which was yeah which was a lot for somebody my height how tall are you i'm only like dude i'm five eight on a good day really yeah i might be five seven i don't know shit so i'm short you know yeah so 326 on a guy that height that's a lot of weight you know so i'm five six and I'm a pretty stocky guy, and I'm 215, 220 on a, right. on a good day. And, I mean, 
you know, like, like I don't think that I'm, um, like, obese. Or, I mean, according to the national, you know, fucking body yeah. weight mass index, whatever the fuck it is, apparently I am obese. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that that thing is unrealistic. I think a lot of know? things like that are unrealistic. But I definitely have to compare and look and think like, wow, you were 100 pounds more than me and only an inch or two taller. Mm-hmm. That is a big deal, man. It's a lot. You know, that is a lot of weight. I guess I didn't realize how big you were, you know? I didn't realize how big I was. Yeah. You know, um, for a long time, I guess you like, you look in the mirror certain ways, you kind of turn and you angle yourself so that you look good and you don't realize <laughs> it. And then you see yourself like, you know, somebody takes a picture of you and you realize, fuck, man. I'm really, you know, I'm big. And then, uh, but how do I put this? I started to get really worried when I was, you know, walking up two flights of steps and I was winded. Yeah. Um, or taking a 10 minute walk seemed like it was too much for me. That's when I started to really think like, fuck man, you've really gone downhill. And I started to get things like kidney stones, um, I had an issue with my back where there would be like a pinched nerve that would make my entire right thigh numb. And like that became just part of my daily life. I never did anything to correct that or anything. It was just, hey, I can't feel my right thigh, you know? But, um, so, excuse me. I think at 326 pounds, I said, okay, what can I do when I, you know, when I really do approach this? And I knew the basic things. And I think that's a lot of it. A lot of people like they seek out answers for things that they already have the answers to. They're like, well, what should I do? What, what have you done? You know what I mean? Like, are you taking a walk? Are you paying attention to what you're eating? You know, you know, what's good for you and what's not. It's not that hard to figure out. So let me, let me tell you this. One thing that I've learned over the last 12 years, that's, that's how much time I have since I got clean, you know, is, the moment, and you already said it, it's the biggest thing that you said that I think a lot of people gloss right the fuck over, is the moment I got clean, I had to stop making excuses mm-hmm. for anything, you know? And I had to stop lying, because for me, at least in my addiction, and I can't speak for you, but but when you think of the word lying, it also, it doesn't necessarily mean what you say to other people, but it's sometimes it's about what you, what you believe say to about yourself. yourself. Yeah. You know? You create for a me, narrative for yourself. For me, believing that I'm not an addict because I'm taking pills that I got from a doctor is a lie. It's right. a lie. You're lying to yourself. You're not admitting the truth here. The truth is, is you have a very real problem. And you, I, I think the one thing that you can... I think maybe over time you'll learn to appreciate it or understand it, but I think that the bad moments in our life, including the one that I recently experienced, is necessary, including the 20 years that you say that you you squandered. It's, it's, the, it's not the way the world works, man. You and I started this show because we had a great conversation, and you said that you basically appreciate life now. And mm-hmm. the only way you did... Is because you suffered for 20 fucking years. Yeah. You know? You struggled, and then at some point you decided to wake up and go, you know what? Fuck this, man. I don't think it's so much that I struggled or that I think I got sick of being miserable. Sure, that is struggling. I found a lot of comfort in feeling contemptuous all the time. And 
I think you said this one time in one of our other episodes, how you're kind of an aggressive guy and you're out there and it gets exhausting. Yeah. And it does get exhausting. You get to a point where you go, fuck, man, like I'm 42 years old. Yeah. You know, I've lived a lot of my life. I might have less time in front of me than I have behind me. Do I really want to be this person forever? And I didn't want that. And I had to have a conversation with myself and say, when were you most happy in your life as an individual? And I got to thinking, and it was, you know, it wasn't a girl that made me happy. It wasn't another person that made me happy. It wasn't money that made me happy. It wasn't a situation that made me happy. There was a time that when I was interested in developing talents, when I was interested in improving my health, when I, w- when I w- had consistency in my life, that I was moving in that direction, that's when I was most happy. Yeah. So, um... Doesn't said, it sound, when you tell me these things, it sounds to me like you went from, you were challenging yourself, and then there were other times... Where you got comfortable. Where you got comfortable, and you were like, uh, mentally lazy, uh-huh. you know? Absolutely. And I think I went through the same thing, Yep. you know? There were, there were times where... Even during my recovery, there was a lot of time... I used to have this crazy theory that the only way I could be truly artistic and expressive is if I was high, really. Like, mm. as if, if I was being ex- very eccentric. Because we always think of rock stars and these crazy Andy Warhol, right. you know, drug-induced artists. Maybe, like, like, yeah, yeah, like my picture is going to be better if I'm taking a Percocet or some shit. Yeah, yeah I know and mean. then... The funniest thing is, is the best years of my life are when, you know, when my wife got involved, when we started having children. But more importantly, my wife has always been ultra supportive of this. This we're doing right here. This is very creative. This is, I love how enthusiastic you are about this show because you're giving me something too. You are. When I listen to you, when you, you and I are texting back and forth and we're kicking ideas around... And you're excited. You're telling me, yeah, man, I can't wait till we record again. There's an energy being created. Mm-hmm. And I need it. And Energy's kind of contagious. It's like yeah, if you go man. to a concert and one person starts jumping up and down, somebody next to them starts jumping up and down, and then before you know it, the whole place is jumping up and That's down. That's it, man. So, um, yeah, I think that that energy is contagious. So that's kind of that kind of plays into it, too. Um, I said that I wanted to do this. And I wanted to lose the weight at 326 pounds. You have to realize when you're that overweight, you're not going to just walk into a situation and be your old self. Sure. You've already trained your body in the one direction. You kind of have to really train your body out of that direction. So in the past when I would do this and I would try to lose weight, I would just go like balls deep into something and just go, all right, I'm not going to eat this. I'm not going to eat that. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to start doing this every day and... And I would do it, and it would last for three or four days, and then I would stop because it was just too exhausting. So they say, because I've read a lot of books about self-improvement, uh, and then obviously because of uh, the fellowship that I belong to, we talk about this a lot. But in my opinion, I think they say uh, the most progress and change happens within the first one to two months. Mm-hmm. And then after that, it's really about maintaining that... A discipline. Yes. Because motivation... Yeah. 
is just a feeling kind sure. of thing. So when you're feeling motivated, yeah, you get motivated and you do things. It's when you have to create the discipline to do it every day. Yep. And uh, and then when you start to realize that most days aren't going to be as good as other days. Sure. But I'm still going to get up and I'm going to do it. Yep. For me, it was going to the gym. And going to the gym kind of created a system of accountability for me for the rest of the day. So I would just get up and go. Whether I knew what I was going to do or not, I would just get up and go. Um, the gym that I go to, Fort Delco, you need a referral to go there. Right. So the guy who referred me was a good friend of mine who I really respect. He was a, He's a, a Marine, and um, he's really into supporting local businesses. And that was kind of how the conversation got started. Um, and he said, well, I go to this gym that a local guy owns. He's a serviceman, and, uh, you know, I want to support him. And I said, oh, yeah. And he goes, yeah, you should come check it out sometime. Yeah. So one morning I'm eating breakfast with my brother, and I just texted him and said, hey, I'm near where the gym is. You know, next time you go there or whatever, why don't you let me know? He goes, I'll be there in 10 minutes. Yeah. So he came right right out and came and showed me this gym. Sure. I go in there, and I look around, and I go, oh, that's a really nice-looking gym. And then something sinks in in your mind where you realize the reality of it. Like, yeah, <laughs> these are all really great machines and everything, but I'm going to have to physically do this. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then... Another thing that I think a lot of people get worried about at the gym, especially when you're really overweight, um, there's an intimidation factor or an insecurity thing that comes into play where you don't want people to see you in these compromising positions. You know, you feel like oh, I'm a, you know, like I'm a fat slob or whatever. I don't want to see people, you know, people <laughs> seeing me squatting down and sure. bending over and getting on this machine with my ass up in the air and all that stuff. And then my way of dealing with that was like, imagine being a good looking woman. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, imagine just being a good-looking girl that goes to the gym every day. Don't you think every time she gets on the hamstring curl machine and her ass is up in the air that she thinks everybody's looking at my ass? You should, next time you see, like, uh, you know, in case your old lady's watching, I'm not saying he's checking out the chicks. Oh, I'm no, just saying, no, she knows I check out chicks. Yeah, I'm just saying, <laughs> like, the next time you see a good-looking woman and her ass is in the air, just say, hey, listen, sweetie, I know how it feels. You yeah, know? Like, yeah. <laughs> Well, that was kind of They're my way of rationalizing it away. <laughs> but the thing is, is you know what? The more I went and the more I realized nobody gives a shit what yeah. you're doing. Nobody there is. Everybody's there to improve themselves. That's They're so... kind of focused on it. So it's not like people are all clicking together and being like, look at this fucking fat asshole over here. That doesn't happen. So the More f- often than not, they encourage you. They want to see you do the work. They want to see you get better at it. And that's kind of why I kept going every day. So that gym in particular, that the owner of that gym is my buddy Tom DeVitro, and he is a great person. And uh, all of the guys that work in there, you have Sam, you have Artie, you mm-hmm. have uh, Terry, you know, Terrence, you have yeah. all these great people, even some of the women that work in there too. Um, dude, I'm not a gym guy at all. I wasn't either. Like no fucking way do I want to go hang out in a gym. I'm not a... I don't lift weights. I don't particularly care for it. But I did want to make some changes over the last couple of years. And my sister and brother-in-law go there. They're friends with Tom as well. So they kept trying to encourage me. And I'm antisocial. I, I had the same insecurity that you did, uh, believe it or not. And I was just like, dude, I don't want to come in here. And I don't want to fucking talk to you. Right. Like, I just want to pick this shit up 
and get tired and go to fuck home. And I don't want to discuss it at all. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't want to stand in a corner and drink a fucking smoothie and like, oh, that was really great. Your your form was really good that time. Like, I don't I don't care. Fuck you, dude. I don't give a shit. I used to think that way, too. The funny thing is, is them guys brought me out of my little turtle shell. Right. They did. They slowly just kept talking to me. And now I fucking miss going around there. Honestly, I, I need to try to make it there more often. I still pay for the membership because yeah. I want to be able to just go in there and, and work out if I need to. I try to help them and, and fix some of the machinery sometimes. But like life is so fucking crazy for me right now that it's like I never know when I'm going to have a moment. But yeah. I... I don't want to give up the opportunity to be able to go in there and see them because I think it is a great place. And I think that the insecurities of thinking everybody's watching you, which is funny because this also comes back to like my, my recovery and these meetings that I belong to and go to. I felt the same way when I first started going there. Everybody does. Everybody comes into the meetings and they sit there in their seat and they sit in the furthest seat against the wall because they don't want anybody looking at them. Right. And everybody thinks that I'm being judged harshly because I either was such a, in, in your head, you always think that I'm the, I'm the worst. I'm the biggest badass. Yeah. I wasn't really a drug addict. I was more like a drug dealer. No, you weren't a motherfucker. Right. We're all drug addicts here. Everybody here is a drug addict. Okay. We're an alcoholic, whatever, you know, but like in your head, they're all judging me harshly. These people are laughing. They must be laughing at me yeah. because that's the only logical thing I can come up with it's right now. It's because you're the you're judging yourself harder than anybody else can judge you at all. So that's the great struggle is getting through this hurdle that the rest of the world honestly gives zero fucks about you. Mm-hmm. But if they see that you're making some improvements, they will be very encouraging. Strangers are the most encouraging people on the planet. It's weird. You look you more know? vulnerable when you're doing nothing. Yeah. That's the truth. You yeah. just, like, I go there and, I mean, you got people of every fitness level there. Sure. You got neophytes, you got people that are the elite level of fitness. Everybody's there. Right. Nobody is looking at the guy who is, you know, 300 some pounds working his ass off and going, look at that fat ass. Right. Nobody's looking at that. Nobody yeah. says, nobody's saying that. They're... You know, if anything, it's more like good for him. Right. You know, it's, and I don't want to sound corny. There are times that I've been driving in my car, like when I was at my heaviest and I wanted to get back in shape, I'd be driving in my car and I would like see like an overweight person out jogging. Yeah. I would well up with tears sometimes and be like, good for them. You know what I mean? Like, get after it. You know what I mean? And, um, and it's hard to find the motivation just to start. Right. And then it's even harder to maintain the discipline to keep going. Yeah. And it just becomes, you just kind of have to understand that you're going to get up and you're going to do this every day. And most days are not going to be great. So it's funny because um, I think a lot of people that do what I do, we literally refer to it as like uh it's like a gym membership or like a fitness program because when you get clean some people that don't understand what that is they'll say to you all right you're doing your little group therapy or your meetings or whatever when are you going to be done with that shit and just going to go on and live your life 
And a gym membership to me needs to be the same thing. If you want to devote yourself to being a healthier person, it has to be a lifestyle change. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't, it's not necessarily the gym membership. It's about living a healthier life. Now, I think that people, especially in our modern society, like you said, you have two office jobs. You're not physically active. Right. I think it's very important that you do something throughout the day to burn some fucking energy because you're going to, one, not be able to sleep at night because you're going to be just, you have this energy. You're eating all this fucking food and your body is like, where do I put it? Mm -hmm. Where do I put this energy? You got to burn it, man. You're a fucking, you're a little power plant, you know? Yeah, your body really is like this. That was another thing. It was like I started to feel like my body really is like this million dollar machine that, you know, I'm not utilizing its uh, capabilities properly. Sure. And then you kind of get interested in that and you start to say, well, I can do this, uh, you know, and maybe if I tweak this a little bit, I could start to do a little bit of that too. Um, but back to the, 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 the sweeping goal of like, you know, at 326 pounds, I said to myself, I want to be 220 pounds. That's my goal. I want to be 220 pounds. Now look, it's a year later and I'm nowhere near 220 pounds. You yeah, know what I mean? You're making great progress. I know, and that's my point, is that you have to start to find happiness in your smaller milestones along the way, and then realize that that end goal kind of will come as like a happy side effect. Right. Because you're going to start to, like, it's almost like involuntary. You start to hit these milestones as you go along in the journey. Um, so for me, at 326 pounds, I felt my worst. Right. I would say I probably lost 10 pounds in the first month, which is pretty common to lose that much right off the bat. The way I looked at it was at 326 pounds, if I just went and walked every day for 30 minutes to an hour, that was more activity than what I was doing prior to that. Something was going to happen. Right. You know what I mean? And that's how I started was just with walking. And my way of looking at it was, um, like, if you're a car, I'm a pickup truck. <laughs> Does a pickup truck need more fuel to move than a car? Okay. Right? Right. So, where was I getting my fuel? From calories. Right. So, it would take me more calories to burn, you know, in a certain amount of distance than it would for a car. Right. So... At my weight, walking for an hour, I probably burned more than somebody who was physically fit who just did like, you know, some kind of crazy workout regimen. Right. You know, I probably burned as much or more than they did just because I had more to yeah. come off. You know what well, I mean? Well, you were moving mass. I'm moving mm-hmm. mass and like you couldn't drive cross country without a lot of fuel, right? So, sure. Yeah. So um, I just learned except that small milestone. It was really hard for me the first time I got on a treadmill to walk 15 minutes. Right. Within about two weeks, I was walking for an hour. I think that's with any activity that you decide to do. Anything in this entire world. The problem with us in our American culture is that it's so easy to be, let's be honest, lazy. You know, it's, it's very so... I decided to learn how to snowboard about three or four years ago. I was like, this is something I want to do. I've always wanted to do it since I was a kid. I grew up skateboarding, and I was like, man, I want to go down this fucking mountain and carve, you know, and I want to learn how to do this. And I think I can do it. 
and I busted my ass nine million fucking times yeah. the first year. It was just bad. I thought I was never going to figure this out, you know? And it's just... Now, I have the benefit of years of uh, military training, and then my life has been like uh, this just understanding that in the beginning, no matter what, no matter what it is, if it's a new job, if it's a new lifestyle choice, if it's a uh, living in a new location... There's going to be discomfort, and yeah. and in our in our culture, currently there's this theory that I should never be uncomfortable. Well, then you're never going to progress. No, you there's have no to such every, thing yeah. as progression. You have to challenge yourself to do something. Sure, yeah. you know. So like when I see, you know, uh, so for me the snowboarding thing is like, the first year horrible. I fell a lot. I got. I, I'm like. 30 late 30s trying to fucking figure out how to snowboard and i'm falling and i'm embarrassed because there's all these people on the mountain that are really good they're good at it some of them are older than me i have people flying past me i have young kids they're like hey asshole get out of the way and i'm like what the fuck you know i just i just want to figure this out i grew up skateboarding how come i can't do this you know and then the second year holy shit i i kind of figured a couple things out and i'm going but my muscles yeah. To stand in that position and to use your legs to to throw your weight around on the board, my legs were so fucking tired. Mm-hmm. By the time I made it to the bottom of the mountain, one run. You were spent. I was fucking physically exhausted. Yeah. So now there's this same thing with you in the gym and the treadmill is like my body needs to be taught how to do this. Yeah. And so I would go down the mountain one more time, but sometimes I would stop on the way and like take my boots out of the fucking straps and sit there and take a breather. And you have to, you have to work towards this. But I think the key is, is like you said, maybe this episode is about goals. Yeah. Because when I talk to young people and they, um, everybody, when you say a goal to somebody, everybody has this idea that like, well, what's your goals? What do you want to do? And they always go for the, they shoot for the moon. Right. Everybody shoots for the moon, but like you said, and it's so fucking important. It's incremental. You need the small goals to reach the big goal. That's the only way this works. And that was kind of how I approached it at that point. You know, yeah. When I stepped on the scale and I was, you know, 318 yeah. instead of being 326, I said, okay, well, what I'm doing is working. How can, and it, the goal did not become, uh, I want to be 220 pounds. My goal became, let me just get under 300. Yeah. And when I was at 305, I felt exponentially physically better than I had ever felt probably in the last 20 years of my life. Yeah. I had more energy. At this point, I had gotten into strength training, which is really the key to losing weight is strength training. Sure. Um, And it was just coming together as like a happy side effect. And then I stopped looking at that number on the scale so much because... Um, it was a, too much of a distraction. Sometimes you get on there and you just expect to see something and it's not there, but you kind of forget the things that are happening that are more important. You know, I told you I was getting kidney stones. Yeah. I haven't had a kidney stone in over a year. Yeah. Um, my right leg isn't numb anymore. Right. Uh, I, I have more energy than I've ever had in my entire adult life. Sure. Um, so there's a certain amount of mental health 
that came along with it more so than the physical that makes you go, I don't ever want to feel the way I felt before this ever again. So if getting up and just taking a walk is going to make me feel better, then I'm going to get up and take a walk. Sure. If lifting weights for 45 minutes to an hour or an hour and a half or however much energy I have today, because every day varies. It's not like every day I go in there and, you know, I pump out a, a great workout. Sure. Some days I'm kind of mulling through it and cashing it in. and That's okay. It is okay because it's still progress no matter what. I mean, you're still doing the work. People don't understand that sometimes just treading water mm-hmm. at your current state. Sometimes just maintaining is- a weight. Is, is, is an accomplishment. It is. Yeah. So to to bounce it back to my recovery, what I realized years later is that in the beginning, so the way my program works, this fellowship that I belong to, this anonymous program is, because we don't mention it. That's the reason I don't say it specifically is because we believe that we should never really talk about it in the general public because we don't want to defame it in any kind of way so that's why i never physically just say what it is anyway it's a uh 12-step fellowship that's anonymous about drug addiction and the way it's kind of laid out is we give a key tag for anniversaries and milestones in your recovery the first one is the white one that's for one day clean that's the first one you get and you can get a million of them It doesn't matter. You can come in there every day high and get a new one. That's fine. We don't judge you. Right. But then the second one is 30 days. Because 30 days is what it takes to change. Yeah. 30 days is fucking brutal. And you and I know that. Yeah, especially when you're fresh out of it. It's not just recovery. It's you going to that fucking gym and for 15 minutes being on that treadmill It's fucking hard. Yeah. And those... Definitely the first month was the hardest. 326 to 318 hurt. Yeah. It hurt you. Mm -hmm. But you felt something. You knew something was changing. And then down to 305 was the next milestone. So for us, that's two months. Now you have one month, you have two months. This is... and, and, And for me, very specifically... You have to understand that the white key tag was the moment that I realized I am not succeeding in my life the way it currently is, and I'm not happy with this. It was a very painful moment in my life. I was uh, suicidal and attempted to overdose a few times. Uh, One time in particular, I had called a friend of mine, and I was sitting there with my handgun on my lap and and sat there for several hours... Uh, and, and was just reeling in my head about like, you know, how am I going to do this? What am I going to do? You know, what's this going to do to everybody? Like, it's just, there is just this cycle of thoughts, you know? And I had to tell my friend, I eventually called him and said, you need to get this thing out of my fucking house, you know? And I'm glad that I didn't have the courage to do that because that would have been a very permanent problem or a very solution permanent to, solution to a very temporary situation and it would have it would have ended all of this none of this would none exist, of this would happen right? you know and i'm just grateful that that's the way that story you yeah. know ended or continued or whatever and then other times i've tried to overdose and 
miraculously woke up, mm-hmm. you know, like I took a bunch of, uh, anti-anxiety meds, benzodiazepines and, and do they notoriously like slow your heart down so yeah. much that if you took enough of them, you will just go to sleep and never wake up. And I thought that that was the easy way. So I tried to, I took mountains of them and just woke up the next day and was like, what the fuck? You know, like it didn't happen, you know? And, uh, I didn't even tell anybody about that until probably after I got clean and admitted like, yeah, these are things that were, I was doing, you know? And, um, so that first white key tag, the, the first day was bad, you know, Mm -hmm. it was, it was horrible. (laughs) And then that 30 day, I fucking cried because I earned it. This is something that other people won't understand. It took time and it took effort. It took discipline, dedication. To, it wasn't just about being motivated to do it. It dude, took actual every work. every fucking day waking up and not being impulsive and not being like, this day sucks and I want to just go get fucked up. And, and the you average, learned how to correct your thinking in yeah. that time too. And it's and it's so much mental work. It is that uh, that I think everybody can relate to because you know even a guy that goes and gets a brand new job and he's like this is all right I'm gonna work here now I'm gonna do this brand new job them first month or two months maybe the other guys in the shop are fucking with you or maybe your boss is being hard on you like it's mentally exhausting. Because I just want to do good. I want to do the right thing here. I want to build something. Maybe you're saving your money and you're fixing your credit because you want to buy a house. Maybe you got a baby at home. Maybe, who the fuck knows? But anything. This isn't just about drug addiction. It's about any change in your life. Mm -hmm. Your eating habits. You're going to the gym. It's so easy to say, you know what, man? I'm fucking tired. I'm not going to that fucking gym today. I'm going to sit here and watch Family Guy and eat fucking cheese curls. You know? Like... It's so easy to say that. It's yep. it's the easy way out. It's the cheat. We live in such a luxury society that fuck you. I mean, and not you to know? discount what you're saying about recovery, but food in America uh, is very much a substance abuse oh yeah. situation I'm for guilty. a lot of people. For a lot of people. I mean, we just spent 2 hours last week talking about food. Oh yeah. You know, and there's nothing wrong with that. Sure. There's nothing wrong with enjoying food. And that's another part of it too is that, you know, some people when they dive into these things and they go, I'm never going to eat pizza again. I'm never going to eat this again. I'm never going to do that again. That's just unrealistic. Right. Like, how many thin people do you know eat pizza? How many fit people do you know have a cheeseburger every once in a while? It's just... So I definitely believe that it's an addiction. Uh, so one thing... In my years of uh, living the way I do and talking to other people is there are two addictions that you can't stop doing, but you have to learn how to control, which I'm fascinated with. Because the answer to alcohol or drug addiction is abstinence. No more. We're done. We don't do this no more. That's easy. Once you figure out how to do that, right? it's easy. I don't want to do this. But imagine a sex addict or a food addict. Yeah. You still have to eat and you still have a partner that wants to make love to you sometimes. So now you have to control your impulses. Outside of that. 
I don't know how the fuck people do that. I've learned how to cut down on my eating because I too was concerned with, I used to gorge myself. Like really? If we went to a nice restaurant, oh, I'll eat that whole fucking you steak. Yeah, and I used then, to think like, of like my meals almost like I treated a lot of meals like they were pay-per-view events. Yeah. It was like. Yeah. And I still do sometimes and it's not again. good. It's well, not I mean, good to walk into your favorite, very fancy high-end restaurant and tell yourself, I'm not leaving here with a doggy bag. I'm eating all this fucking yeah, food, yeah. you know? And I don't think I think like that to that extent. But I do. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely yeah. do. Like if it's my birthday and, and my wife takes me to my favorite restaurant and I'm a snob, right? I want to eat somewhere that has a fucking amazing menu. Mm-hmm. But I also have such a bad habit of saying like, dude, I'm going to eat until I can't fucking walk. No shit. And, and it's not that I physically say that in my head. It's just that it becomes so impulsive. You know, this mm-hmm. is good. I think this it was is... more of impulse for me than it was um, like... I just felt like, look, every meal was delicious. Every yeah. meal was good. Everything was enjoyable. And there was comfort in that. Yeah. It was less about sustaining my health or giving myself a certain amount of energy. Now it's like I have an inventory of everything. Like now, I think that's kind of what it is too, is it's not so much, I think people look at it as like almost like you're punishing yourself into changing. Right. You're not. You're just gaining some kind of self-control sure. over what you do. So, you know, we talked about all that food. I've eaten all that food this entire time. <laughs> yeah. You know, like the inti- like I went from 326. I'm down to 266. In that time, I've eaten all the things that I love. Sure. I just have control over it. So you're you're doing portion sizes? It's or? not so much. Well, it's... You have to take an inventory of how many calories you can take in a day. You have to know what your basal meta- uh, metabolic rate is. How many calories do I burn at rest doing nothing? Um, and then you start to take an inventory of how active you are. And um, what do I want to put in my body that's going to dictate the composition of my body? Like, yeah, you could, if I'm allowed to have 2,400 calories a day, I could eat, you know, 2,400 calories of carbohydrates and still lose weight. Yeah. But is it going to change the composition of my body the way that I want it to? So that's when you start to get into your macronutrients. I'm going to eat this much protein. I'm going to cut back. I don't not eat carbohydrates. Sure. Because, I mean, they give you energy. That's that's your energy source. And another thing is it's not sustainable for me. I right. like too much of it Yeah. to not do it. So, and that's your breads, right? Yeah, like bread, pasta, potatoes, things like that. I'm like, the worst. I'm still going to eat that stuff. I'm yeah. still going to eat it. I'm not going to eat. Like I'm not going to have two sandwiches. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I'm still going to eat those things. But I have control over what I'm eating. You know. And if you know my kids say, you know, let's go get ice cream or something like that, and I know that I still have 600 calories that I can put into my body for the day, I'm going to eat some ice cream with my kid and enjoy it. I'm just not going to overindulge to the point that, you know, like how much can you really enjoy something? Yeah. You know, when at what point do you, do you say I'm satisfied? So for me, when it comes to eating, everything changed when my body started telling me, nope, we can't do dairy no more. Yeah. So like two or three years ago, 
I was having stomach issues and it just, it was cyclical and I couldn't understand what was happening. Just, you know, without going into great yeah. disgusting detail, but it was like, dude, it was like a problem, man. It just, it just was like, just kept coming and going like every other month. And I'm like, what the, what the fuck is happening? What am I doing here? wrong? You know? Right. So then like somebody suggested cut out dairy man try cutting out dairy and just see what happens and and it did it, it instantly my stomach still felt better and i noticed now i love dairy i yeah. love mac and cheese i love all kinds of cheeses uh, you and i've talked about this in the past i grew up uh i'm an irish guy that identifies as an italian okay dude yeah. i fucking love mozzarella i miss mozzarella balls oh my god dude <laughs> Soaked in olive oil. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, like the marinated Holy mozzarella balls. Shit, dude. Yeah, that's I, great. I used to eat the whole fucking container no myself, and then it was horrible afterwards. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> dude, it's ridiculous, man. I don't think I'm reading the entire <laughs> container. Dude, it's fucking insane. You know, who does that, yeah. you know? Or uh, cupcakes from, like, uh, that place, the fucking franchise, Nothing Bunt Cake. Uh, oh, my God, there. they have these cream cheese cupcakes that are fucking yeah. amazing. Ugh. Everything, man. Cheesecake. I mean, thankfully for me, a lot of the foods that benefit, you know, fitness, I already liked a lot of them. I love eating, like, certain, like, protein sources and stuff. Like, I love it. Yeah. A lot of meats and stuff like that. Fish. I like all that stuff. I love fish. Yeah. I yeah. like, you know, and that's so, all great for, you know, building muscle. So, for me, the hardest part was cutting dairy out of my life. Not entirely, I can still do a little bit here and there, and I take these lactate pills that kind of like, if I know that I'm going to eat like some pasta that's got a ton of fucking cheese in it, I pop these two lactate pills, and it'll help. Right. It doesn't It doesn't fix it completely, but at least I can enjoy this meal without shit in my pants, you know, and like, <laughs> for real, man. Yeah, and wow. then like, uh, but that was like the moment where, it, and it's funny because it's a lot like, it's a lot like getting clean because- you instantly get depressed, and you're like, what the fuck, man? I can't even enjoy eating anymore. And I remember when I got clean. That's not the truth, though. Well, so that's the same thing with getting clean, is is when you tell a person who's a, who's an addict or an alcoholic or whatever, hey, listen, you can't do that no more, they instantly think, what the fuck? This is going to suck. I can't enjoy my life now. And for me, eating food is the same. As, Dude, I love the flavors of all these things, and I instantly thought, what the fuck am I going to eat now? Every, uh -huh. Everything I like has has cheese on it or fucking milk mixed in or whatever. And like, what the fuck am I going to eat now? Nothing's going to taste good because I don't like vegetables. So what the fuck am I going to eat? And then I had to start pushing myself to like, you need to eat vegetables. Right. Dude, you have to. We're omnivores. As much as I like breaking the vegans' balls, I think, I think that there is some truth in the fact that like, you can't cut meat out of your life entirely. Right. But I think that you need to eat vegetables. I'm never going to not eat meat. Yeah. I don't understand people that don't eat meat. I um, And I'm not knocking it. So with vegans, I love talking shit because I think they're eccentric. Right. That's the only reason I really like fucking I think it's them. pretty commendable if you can really hunker down and do that. I mean, I think of vegans and I oft, I just think, first of all, I have to openly admit that their reason for being a vegan usually is because they don't like the way the farming system in our country. I don't is. like it. Does I don't like it either. And I agree right. wholeheartedly that animals trapped in cages shitting on themselves right. is horrible. 
-hmm. It is disgusting. I am a, I am a very much a free range advocate. Let the fucking animal wander around and then humanely kill the fucking thing and then butcher it up. That's the way we try to buy all our food like that, you know? So I do believe in that, but I think that, um, vegans are just like extremists, you know, yeah. they're like, no, I'm going to protest this until the day I die, which is pretty soon because they get all skinny and like fucking malnutritioned, you know? And, um, but, but anyway, back to the point is, is dude, you obviously need protein, you need right. things and there's not enough fucking peanuts on the planet to replace, you know, a chunk of fish or a piece of chicken or there's a lot know. of benefits just in like a piece of steak, the creatine that's in there, all that. Like there's, I mean, you start to really take an inventory of that. I think like the only thing I've really deprived myself of that I haven't had this entire time, and I'm like, I love that I don't fucking drink it anymore. Soda, like yeah, I cut soda out of my life. I mean, there's zero nutritional value to it. I drink a root beer every now and then. Right. I like this company, Virgil's Root Beers, and I have them in the fridge, and they'll sit in there for months, four of them. Wow. And I'll pop one out occasionally. And I, t I don't make a habit out of it, but it's like sometimes I want the fizz. Listen, I know? was drinking like a 32-ounce cherry Coke every day. Really? That's I bad. I was drinking a lot of it. A lot of it. I mean, I had kidney stones all the time. Yeah. You man. know, like, it was, I don't know if you ever had a kidney stone. I think I've experienced uh, the pain. I don't think it ever came out. Dude, I think it's, it's still in there. It's brutal. Like yeah. when you, I was, I remember being hospitalized for two days on Dilaudid because of it. Really? Like it was brutal. You can't get comfortable. You can't lay down. It's just, I don't ever want to feel like that ever again. Yeah. You know, and if my diet was what was dictating that. Yeah. You know, show me how not to do that, you know? And that's funny because since I've, been making these changes in my eating patterns i don't have i used to have this fucking pain back here on my right side right where my kidney or gallbladder or whatever the fuck it is but dude it was like this sharp pain and it wouldn't go the fuck away and it's like i couldn't stretch it out i couldn't there's nothing i could do it's just there mm -hmm. and i've gone and gotten like you know mris and fucking my everything looked at and they're like dude everything's normal I don't know what the fuck you're talking about, man. Everything looks normal. And I don't know why, but they, they were just like, I, I think it's like a kidney stone or a gallbladder stone that's just not coming out or something. Mm. And you're like, well, what the fuck, dude? What do I do? Eat better. You yeah. know? That's it. So I eat salads now. Like we've discussed last week, I, I go to 320 Market and get great salads there. And even the one from Chick-fil-A are pretty fucking good. Yeah. I like the spicy Southwest from there. And, you know, whatever. Just trying to eat healthier, really. At the end of the day, it's... Me eating more greens is a big deal because I didn't grow up in a household where it was like... Like stressed or like yeah, made to like, happen. Dude, my dad hates eating vegetables. So like as a kid, you always idolize like, what does dad do? I'm going to do that too. Mm -hmm. I don't want to eat my vegetables because dad doesn't eat his vegetables. So like... Yeah, it's not necessary. Why am I going to do it, right? Yeah, I mean, it's good enough for him. Why isn't it good enough for me, you know? And then like when you get older, you're like... You know, it's funny because like if you eat a steak, you're all bound up. You eat a fucking salad, cleans yeah. you right out, man. You know, like, drink some coffee and eat a salad. Believe me, it's coming out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know? But uh, I just, I think physically I feel exponentially better yeah. since the beginning of the year. Now, granted, at this weight, I'm still, you know, far away from that resolution. 
And I think that's the thing is like people don't really realize when they make those resolutions, like you gotta understand like whatever you're saying is going to take a lot of work and uh, a lot of time and dedication. And uh, you're probably not going to reach your goal right away. You might not even reach it by the end of the year. You might be repeating this resolution next year. So maybe it needs to be a smaller goal then, like you said. So like, all right, so it's the beginning of the year, you and I, Let's list out some goals of ours. What do we want to accomplish? Maybe it's about this show. Maybe it's our personal lives. What do you think? What do you, what do you, um, let's start with the show. What do you think? What's a goal for us? We have a, currently we have a hundred downloads of our show. What do you think is the goal by the end of 2023? What would you like to see? I got a small goal. You got a small goal? What's small small goal? I'd like to see like a t-shirt or a bumper sticker. You want to see bumper stickers? That says every third Sunday on somebody's car. Uh, that just requires me and you to call. But I'm just saying that's <laughs> that's just. But that's a small goal. Yeah. That yeah. at least lets me know that somebody out there knows what it is yeah, and is yeah. listening or whatever. Um, I think the like on those le- on that level. Now, granted, I want. I definitely have that grander idea of like, yeah, I want everybody to know what every third Sunday is. You know, like. Yeah. But at the same time. If it doesn't happen, I don't want to sit there and feel disappointed that it didn't. I just want to know that the work along the way was a good time and it got out to some people, you know? So for me, the great measure of our show being um, being passed along is how many times it's shared. Yeah. So like when you do the posts on uh, Instagram or Facebook, I like to see if the post has been shared. Oh, okay. And to me, that's a measure of whether or not people are passing it along and saying, hey, mm-hmm. listen, check this out, you know? And and I would like to encourage our listeners, if you could help us out and share it. And share it. Yeah. If, share you know, it. check us out on Instagram, it. check us out on Facebook. Please share any uh, posts that we put up because we'd like to see this show grow. Yeah. And I think that that's the only real way is we got to humble ourselves to our fan base and, and ask them to, to help us. And part Get of out it, there. I also really, um, I was kind of kicking around the idea, like, uh, I'd like to put out, like, maybe, like, an email address or something. Yeah. That people could say, you know, send us your comments, good or bad. Sure. And say, you know, what you think of the show. Maybe give an idea of, man, I'd like to hear you guys discuss this, or you said this, and I have a question about that. And we can address it on future episodes. Like, I think that would be a fun way to engage, you know, whatever audience that we have. So they can reach out to us on Instagram, Facebook, or the email address. The email address, I have it uh, right here. Every third Sunday pod, P-O-D, at gmail.com. And then on uh, Instagram, we're every third Sunday. On Facebook, the same thing. Or you can reach out to Mr. Lombardo or myself. I am I have multiple pages you can reach out to, whether it's Yardbird Tuna, Yardbird Performance, which is really like the cars and shit that I build. Uh, or just me, Chris Hunter, you know. So um the same here. Yeah. We're all we're all over the map, you know. I mean you can I mean if, if somebody wants to talk to us or or you said last week that uh uh, what did you say, Pompeii? Yeah, Pompeii State Street Sandwiches. Uh, apparently, he listened to the show. He really enjoyed it. Yeah. And uh, he reached out to me and let me know that, you know, he's he's one of our listeners now. So thanks, thanks Nick, for listening to the show. Outstanding. It, it means man. a lot to me. Um, I love those guys. I think they're they're great. So I think we should get some uh, stickers or T-shirts or something done, and maybe we'll hand them out to people that we know that are supporting us. And, right. You know, like like, I think that's a great idea. You know, and uh, but it's just a small, 
goal. Yeah. I mean, obviously, yeah, I would like to, you know, I don't think, uh, another thing is, like, sometimes you got to sit back and realize, like, we're kind of really ahead of the curve as far as the structure goes here. Like, for anybody who doesn't know, like, this is a beautiful setup. <laughs> like, Chris has really put a lot of hard work and dedication into podcasting, and it shows just in the studio itself. Like, a lot of people that are doing this, they're at home with a laptop, and they got, like, you know, the bare-bones equipment. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you really have <laughs> pursued this. Yeah. You know? Like, this looks... You know, it's funny because this was dying. This, this uh, me podcasting was uh, a slow death. I was doing, I ended the one show, the, um, oh, so the last one we were doing was the, um, this one right here, one podcast at a time, which is about addiction. Right. And it was dwindling. And then we kind of stopped doing that one. And then I picked up where I left off with my other show, my original show, Yardbird Tuna. And I really didn't have any direction with that. Yardbird Tuna has always been like an experimental thing for me. This is where I'm going to learn at. This is where I'm going to fuck around. I'll interview my buddies. I'll just like talk shit and have fun. And like even learning how to use this audio equipment and experimenting with doing video, which we are working on. We're trying to get some live content so you guys can tune in on Instagram or maybe I would like to do a TikTok account and do TikTok live, but they have weird parameters with that. You have to have a thousand followers first before you can even do live. Mm hmm. Which is difficult because we don't we don't have any content recorded for our show. So we can make a TikTok and uh, put up snippets of the show. But that also means I have to start recording and have content available and start editing it and putting it on TikTok. You know, and um, and that's something that I'll have to work on. That's something that it's, it's just something I'm going to have to dive back into. So anyway, the moral of the story is... is I was to the point where I was almost ready to sell all this shit off. No shit. Yep. And then you came in and you were like, yeah, dude, I want to do the show. And you said it multiple times to me. And honestly, I was kind of like dragging my feet because I wasn't sure mentally where I was with this. The uh, the car, I have a an account, Yardbird Performance for my, uh, it's a TikTok account for the cars that I'm building. And it was starting to take off. So I was devoting a lot of time to making content for that. And I just kept thinking, all right, the podcast thing didn't work out. Fuck it. Let's just get rid of all this shit so my kids have more room to play because half the room is divided with their toys. The other half is my fucking studio. And then you popped into my life and we had a great conversation. And it started looking like, well, John's very enthusiastic. Maybe, all right, maybe we need to talk about this. you know. Mm -hmm. And I was still iffy. I was still like, all right, dude, I've had guys in the past that like said they wanted to do this and then quickly lost momentum. So like, is this going to be another one of these fucking times? But yeah. like you and I, and the theme of this episode is we are putting the time in right fucking now. This is the early stages. And yeah. if we can just maintain a discipline, sometimes we're going to tread water. Sometimes our episodes. This is like the sketchbook stage of the show. I think so. Yeah. I mean, you know? there's times where I find myself even like meandering in conversation and I'm like, all right, wrap it up, man, and figure out what you want to say here. So I think that a lot of people are getting that bare bones 
kind of experience out of it. Sure. It's the learning as we go kind of thing. Yeah, but, but they're also learning who you and I are. Yeah. So, like, when we listen to the radio, like, there's two guys in, in the Philadelphia area, Preston and Steve, that have a great radio show, you know? It's, uh, you know, some guys could be critical and, and talk shit on them, but honestly, they have good content. They have a good show, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. They have great chemistry, which I think is extremely important. If you're going to have a talk show with multiple people, mul- multiple hosts, you better have some great fucking chemistry. And and that's one thing that I will say is when you came down here and talked to me on my other show, I instantly was like, fuck, I could sit here and talk to John for fucking four hours. Wow. I could easily just, dude, let's just... Let's go off the deep end. What's Elon Musk building now? You know, yeah. what the, whatever. Fuck it. Let's talk about everything, you know? And I think that that's extremely important, you know? Who knows? I have friends that kind of uh, participated in other shows, this one podcast at a time, and then even the political show that I did, The American Divide, that kind of want to come down and sit down and just hang out with us while we're recording. Oh, yeah? Yeah, so it's my one buddy, Tony. He wants to come down here and participate. And this is like, this is what he does to get out of his house and out of his head sometimes. And and Tony, if you're listening, we would love to have you here, man. I'm sorry I didn't call you. <laughs> this was kind of last minute, but um, but this is going to evolve. And mm-hmm. I love, I love change, man. I'm okay with change nowadays, you know? And um, if people want to participate, reach out. Fucking tell me, man. Yeah, I'll tell send you us what. an email, ask a question, and let us, you know, we'll, we'll talk about it and see what we can come up with. And I think, like, you know, we I kind of come in here and I think, like, this is, you know, I really want the show to be this. Or, you know, I think of things while I'm alone in my car or whatever, and I'm going to say that. And then sometimes it doesn't come out. So it, I think it's, I enjoy the candidness of it. Yeah. And the kind of, um, it's just kind of raw, and whatever it does come out, comes out. And... Um, the real experience of it, sure, is kind of the appeal to me. Yeah, you know, one week to another, we don't really know what we're going to talk about, <laughs> and uh, I think it's more important that we don't. Yeah, I think we should come down here with some rough idea of where we're going to begin, like you and I discussed before the show started. But I think it's, I think people want to hear who we really are. Mm-hmm. They don't want to see some fucking newscaster that's reading from a teleprompter or like... Repeating something that they've heard somewhere else. Or, yeah, man. You yeah. don't give a fuck about that. We're all tired of that, yeah. you know? I don't... You don't, I'm not a politician. I'm not gonna... I'm not gonna sit here and just mouth some really... Uh, some bullshit that mm-hmm. I think sounds good. Fuck it, man. This is what... This is what Hunter is. This is what Lombardo is. You know, this is what we are. You know, we're going to sit here, talk shit. Sometimes we're going to talk about some great things. Sometimes we're going to talk about food. Maybe you'll ask me about this or the cars or whatever. We got, we're we're fucking humans and we like doing things. And more importantly, we like talking. Renaissance (laughs) men. Yeah. yeah. Renaissance man children. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Really? (laughs) So, but, um, dude, I don't know, man. I think I think we're doing good. Yeah, you know? uh, yeah. I, I look forward to it every time we do this. Yeah, yeah. I and I like in between. I mean, obviously, you know, I, <laughs> I don't know how many times I've like worked on the logo or yeah, you know, like. Dude, do you know how much of a relief it is that I have somebody else that's helping me with this? Because, <laughs> like, like that logo I made. This, right. This logo I made. The fucking logo for the other show. 
I created. And then posting on the social media sites, I was the one that did all of that too. It just got so daunting for me. And mm-hmm. and not to talk shit, but like, dude, when I was doing the show with other people, a lot of times... Now, the guy, Tony, that, came, that wants to come down here, he was very active on the Instagram account for this show right here and, and was very... He was he was for putting, one podcast at a time. Yeah, so yeah. he even got T-shirts made. So like, I think that if he wants to come down here and help with this show, I think I think we should talk to him because he was a big part of that show. And yeah, I got he, no problem with you that. You know, he's a really yeah. good guy. He's not a he's not a. We're sitting here talking as if the we're not recording right now, but whatever. Tony, well, come they, on down. I actually, man. Um, before we ended, I had a com- uh, kind of like a question for you. Okay. Because I was. Uh, curious about this when you you talk a lot about recovery and addiction and things like that and i guess this wouldn't apply to somebody who's like full-blown into an addiction like like a heroin addiction or something like that and i think nowadays the way drugs are i don't even think that the drugs that people are out there getting messed up on are the same drugs that people were getting messed up on 10 years ago 20 years ago i think you know, with the fentanyl and sure, I think there's so much going into this stuff on a street level that we don't even know what people are putting in their bodies anymore. Right. So I don't know that it totally applies to that, but for you, okay, for you and your experience, how much of your addiction do you feel like was circumstantial in its severity based on what your life was like at the time? So, I guess if you had a good relationship going on or everything was okay at work or you had enough money in your pocket and the stressors were kind of alleviated. Okay. Did you feel like your addiction would kind of go up and down Mm. or it would lessen? So, there's a lot of theories on what is addiction. You know, like there's a lot of, some people say, uh, my mother and dad were drug addicts. Genetically, they believe they have a disposition towards addiction. You know, some people think that. I don't believe that. And I do come from a family of all addicts, you know, on my mom's side. They, they all were pretty bad. And even on my dad's side, you have a couple little, like, uh closet alcoholics and you know we're not going to discuss grandmom's drinking problem or you know like i think addiction is everywhere even like we discussed today it it pops up in different areas i think in my opinion you know you were depressed for a long time and you ate that was a part of your addiction that's how you comforted yourself and for me the same thing i busted my leg up on a motorcycle and my wife was divorcing me and I dropped out of film school and I was very depressed and on Percocets, you know, and I think it progressed at that moment. It was pretty bad and, you know, things settled down and it probably settled down a little bit too. my addiction. And I think it just, it does go up and down, but I think that it's always present. And, and so there's this other theory called the the cucumber to the pickle theory right and basically you can take a cucumber stick it in some vinegar and now it's a pickle 
but it can't ever go back to, to being, being a, a cucumber. cucumber. So once you're an addict, you're always an addict. I believe you reach this threshold. Like I think even when you look at like a heroin addict, they didn't start that way. They mm-hmm. started out either testing the waters or maybe they were a teenager that was smoking some weed and like did some perks. Like they always started out small and worked their way. It's funny because it's even a lot like how we're discussing goals. No, It's not a goal. Nobody literally said, I want to be a fucking heroin addict and go prostitute in Kensington. Right. But it, it is a progression just the same. It's a, a digression or whatever you want to call it. So like you start out small and your tolerance grows. And for me, it did. So like if you want to talk about actual, because pill heads, which is what I was, I knew my dose down to a fucking milligram. You know, mm-hmm. when I started getting high, it was five milligram Percocets. Eventually, we jumped up to 7.5 Vicodins, and then it just progressed into eventually 10 milligram Percocets, and then 30 milligram Percocets. And then from 30s, I started doing two. Wow. And then after a while, that's a lot of Percocets. I started doing three. So then it's 90 milligrams <sighs> of opiates. A and day. then it got, yeah, a day. And then it got to the point where I was doing four or five, which is, and it really came down to a money issue. Right. At that point, whether I could, I could keep a job or not, it was about how much money I could spend that day. So back then, and this was a long time ago, apparently they're much more expensive now, but a 30 milligram Percocet used to be 25 a pop. Or if you bought five of them, you would get it for a hundred bucks. You know, that was back in the... 2010 or prior so now, to 2020. I guess at some point you start to realize this is really expensive. So I was spending 100 to $120 for, you know, four or five Percocets. A day. A day. Wow. And then my buddy, you know, this this chick I knew was like, uh, well, why don't we just go get some Oxys? They're 80 milligrams and they're $50 a pop. Jeez. So then I would drop a, an 80 and then she's like, well... Well, I, in my head, was like, well, I need more. I'm not high. I'm just maintaining. I'm not high. So I took two 80 milligrams, you know, two two fucking oxys. And then at some point, that became, like, just maintaining. So that was $100 a day right there, which I was back to my $100 a day problem. So then, you know, I was selling tools. I was scrap metaling. I was doing all this shit. I was... I wasn't really stealing, but I definitely was dishonest sometimes and, like, doing uh, fucked up things, you know? And um, uh, then it bumped up. I did it again. One more time, I bumped up my my tolerance to, you know, three 80-milligram Oxycontins, which is, what, 240 milligrams of opiates. And the really scary, scary thought was this chick that I was hanging out with, this this girl that I grew up with, was she was a drug addict too, and she was helping me find my meds, and she was a heroin and a cocaine addict. She at, kept telling me, you're spending $150 a day to get these. You could probably spend $50 and do heroin. She was like, you could buy a bundle of dope for 120 bucks, and it'll last you all week long. You know, you're spending too much money. All this money, this is ridiculous. And it's crazy because drug addicts really are that good at budgeting their money to know what they need. And it's fascinating because that's how I lived. 
I lived every day knowing that I'm going to have to take some tools out of my toolbox and go up to the pawn shop and I'm going to pawn these off. He's going to fucking hustle me and, you know, I probably spent $800 on these fucking tools and he'll give me a hundred bucks, you know? And that was every day of my life until eventually the toolbox was empty. This chick's whispering in my ear, just do heroin, it's cheaper. And eventually I ran out of shit to sell and it was overwhelming and I was... I was going to kill myself. I was sitting on train tracks down in Trolley Square in Wilmington because I was staying with this this girl and I was like crying my eyes out and my mom was calling me every day to see like, dude, is... is That's got to be terrible you know? for a parent. Oh my God. I mean, I... You know? So like, she eventually, she called me on that day on October 12th, 2010 and she's like, what's going on? And I'm fucking just crying my goddamn eyes out. And she's like, all right, well, are you done? Are you fucking done yet? And I'm like, yeah, I'm fucking done. There's nothing else to do. I'm done, you know? And she's like, well, because she kept telling me, call the VA. Call the VA hospital. They, You know, they have programs for you. You, you're, dude, you All you got to do is walk in the fucking building, you know? And, and me, I'm stubborn, and I'm like, no, I don't have a problem. <laughs> dude, nobody sits on train tracks waiting for a fucking train you know that's a problem with their life perfectly happy you know yeah so um so she left work she was working in newtown square she drove all the way down to wilmington to where i was picked me up and drove me right up to the coatesville va hospital where i spent the next two months i spent thanksgiving there you know like that was where i lived you know and and things you know that's the beginning that was the beginning for me and then i got the dog and then um all of that. And it's funny because I, I think that it's good and bad. I lived through my addiction, even when I didn't want to. But like I said, even the money management, which you learn during your addiction because it becomes a survival thing, I think these things play into my future now. And they're a part of my life now. And I use them in a good way. Yeah. Now I'm really good at budgeting and, and maintaining my money and setting goals for me and my wife and to to bring it full circle like my wife and I we do want to do more traveling now and I am shopping for a camper because I want I want me and my kids and my dog and we're going to load up and we're going to go away on the weekends and we're going to go camping and we're going to Rock Hall or we'll go down to Cape Charles Virginia like the the peninsula you know or we're we'll drive out to Pennsylvania to the middle of Pennsylvania like you know and just fucking live you know and it, and it, maybe some people think it's stupid or whatever or I, I don't know maybe it's not their cup of tea but to me uh i focus on spending as much time as i can with my family you know that's my goals my little goals are more time with my family mm-hmm. you know but at no point did you think like when you were so i guess that answers my questions it didn't matter what was going on in your life when i was happy i got fucked up it was just a vicious cycle of getting When I got up. sad, I got fucked up. Yeah. When I was bored, I got fucked up. When I was... I could definitely understand the boredom. Yeah. Yeah. But I would think maybe if if things were looking up in certain directions, that it would make a difference, but I guess it, it probably doesn't. See, it's... You always... This is the reason why no excuses... Yeah. This is the reason why that's important, because if it was a good day, if it was 4th of July... It didn't matter. It's 4th of July! We gotta get fucked up! Yeah. But if it was, my girlfriend just broke up with me... I gotta get fucked dude, up. Dude, I gotta get fucked up, you know? But if it was uh, if it was Wednesday and there's nothing to do, 
let's get fucked up, you know? And that's the way my entire life was all the time. Mm. And I had all these goals. No matter how small or big they were, they never got accomplished. Yeah. I always wanted to be a car guy. I loved cars. I loved people in our neighborhood that built cool cars and had these muscle cars and with these loud exhausts and you could hear that the motor had a big cam in it because it's lopy and I'm go, 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 you know, and I was like, man, that's awesome. I'm fascinated. I'm so enthralled in it. So my friends would be like, oh, hey, I got this, you know, Ford uh, 351 Windsor sitting in my shop. You want it? And I would take it. It's a free motor. And I would rip it apart and sit it in the corner of my shop that I was renting for nothing. And then it would sit there and rust away. And that became a big joke for a long time, which hurt me. Mm-hmm. It hurt my feelings. Because even after I got clean, my friends would say, hey, you need something ripped apart. Give it to Hunter, you know? Oh, wow. and, and really... To me, you're making a joke about me being, I pride myself on being a really good mechanic, you know, or, or amateur mechanic or, uh, But you were so inconsistent at it that it didn't matter. That's the truth. The truth is, is I wasn't a good mechanic back then and I I wasn't very good at fixing Well, even if you were, you could be the greatest mechanic in the world, but if you don't ever show up to fix a car, what's the difference? Yeah. Yeah. I might be the greatest barber that there ever was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Know? But if I don't ever cut anybody's hair, who would know? Yeah. You know? So it, it that was a part of my pride that was hurt, you know? Yeah. And now it's different. You know, now if somebody wants to bring that up, oh, well, 15 years ago. Yeah, 15 years ago, you fucking idiot. Yeah. Look at the car sitting out front. You walk past my car that's sitting out front. That's the first thing front. I said when I got here. I was like, oh, it must be something he's fixing. And that's, that's like, that's, that's awesome. That fucking car is. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> when you leave here today, I'm going to drive that over to my shop and mm-hmm. tinker around with it. And then, I, you know what? Before you leave, I'm going to show you something really awesome. Okay. We'll go out to my garage and I'll show you the pride and joy. You know, and that car is the T-Bucket. That's the one with the first motor I ever built Yeah. from the internals out. Nice. And it's, it is fucking gnarly. Yeah. <laughs> That's so, great, uh, man. Like I, I didn't know it was that deep for you, to be honest with you. Uh, it's it's all about. Uh, well, I so didn't know the severity, I guess, of my addiction. Yeah, how much you were doing and how much you were losing in the process. Yeah, so it's it's the the funny thing about my life is I was really good at hiding it. You yeah. know, I I looked like a dipshit twenty year old that drank too much. That's what my all all my family and friends thought. Oh man, he drinks a lot. Did you? You, know? you probably still had. Did you still have a decent work ethic and you got up and did your work every day? I did until what you had to do until I got fired. You right. know, I would get fired for arguing with people, or I was I was high at work a Oof. lot, and I would crash cars. You know. Yeah. Yeah, I've gotten fired quite a few times for. So there's a there's a shop up the street that works on nothing but Porsches. Mm-hmm. All the dealerships in the area send their Porsches to this guy. And they're really good. They do really good work. And I worked in there for probably two weeks. Mm. And I backed a uh, an SUV, a Porsche SUV, into a very high-end Porsche and crushed both bumpers. <sighs> the one that I was driving and the one that I backed into. And the guy says, uh, and I'm like, Oh man, I didn't see it. What the fuck? Rah, rah, rah. And I'm like trying to make excuses. Yeah. Again, excuses. And the guy was just like, Yeah, I don't fucking care about none of that. 
Um, what you're going to do is you're going to go clock out right fucking now. And I was like, oh shit, here we go. I'm fired. And he's like, you're going to fucking fix this until it's fixed. Right. You're going to stay here with the lights on and fucking fix this. And I was like, yeah, yeah, no problem. And I'm like, I'm agreeing with him. And he's like, no, 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 dude, it's not a choice. You're fixing it. You're the one that fucking broke it. And I'm not paying you to do it. So you do it on your own time, you know? Wow. And then at the end of the week, he was like, get your shit and get the fuck out of my shop, you know? And, and that was heartbreaking too, because I, my dad owned a body shop in this area and mm. I embarrassed him. I walked around the whole neighborhood. Ah. Every time I would get fired, I would tell everybody, I'm Chris Hunter's kid. I'm really good. And everybody's like, what the fuck, dude? What's wrong with this fucking moron? No you know? shit. Yeah, it was embarrassing. I embarrassed him. I embarrassed myself. And um, years after I got clean, I went and apologized to that shop, to the two owners of it. And they were cool. They were yeah. perfectly cool. And other shops that I worked at, which I made a, a fucking full of myself, I went and apologized to. And a part of my life is is making these amends. Yeah. You know? And, and like... Uh, admitting the wrongs that i've done you know so it's just it's just something i do man you know now i live like this now if i fuck up i i usually apologize that day or the day after i, like, I suck at apologizing i suck at it <coughs> excuse me yeah the fuck was that i ate a bug <laughs> <laughs> all right brother well dude we've been going for two hours no shit yeah been that long yeah wow all right, well, uh, that was a pretty deep uh, episode, I think. Yeah. This part. So, again, if anybody wants to hear us discuss anything, anything you want to chime in about, you want to offer an opinion, you're more than welcome to do so at the uh, email address, every third Sunday pod. Yep. At gmail dot com. That's it. And uh, you can reach me on Instagram at l o m b a r d e a u x. Or you could reach Chris at Yardbird Tuna <laughs> or Yardbird Performance. And uh, we're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. You can listen to us on Spotify, Apple, Podbean. And uh, we appreciate you taking the time to sit in with us. So uh, thank you. And until the next third Sunday. Uh, and if you're from Swarthmore, stop being such yeah. a cunt. <laughs> I'm putting that on a I t-shirt. It, we're going to have to like, <laughs> it's going to get to the point where we're going to have to like shit on every town to some extent. Dude, that should be our next episode. Who yeah. wants to hear that? Who wants yeah. to hear? Who wants to hear a shit on your town? Our opinion of every <laughs> town we can think of. I think we should totally do this. Yeah. You know? We could, uh, you know, say Prospect Park's just a bunch of mechanics and all their wives <laughs> work at Taylor Hospital or something, you know, or, you know, we could figure something out. Yeah. We could roast somebody. Yeah, so. dude, let's do it, man. Yeah. I think that should be our next episode. <laughs> Fuck your town. This is what you guys do. <laughs> but, all right. Well, thank you, Chris. Um, all right, brother. Oh, okay, we're done. <laughs> <laughs>